Hello, I'm Sumati Pramal and I'm from the Maritime Institute of Malaysia. Hi, I'm Greg Polin. I'm with the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. Hi, Greg. So today, Greg and I will be talking about Vice President Kamala Harris' visit to Southeast Asia. Well, the visit was to Singapore, being a strong security partner and Vietnam an ally of the U.S. The highlights includes her visit to Changi Naval Base and touring of USS Tulsa in Singapore, while in Vietnam, Harris launching of the Southeast Asian Regional Branch of the U.S. Center for Disease Control that focuses on health and human security. Greg, what are your say on this visit? How important are this visit to the United States? Uh, you know, I don't think that it was revelatory. Nobody really expected any huge changes or deliverables from either visit, but it was positive and I think it was needed for the administration. So it continued the narrative that they began to push when Secretary of Defense Austin was out in the region last month, which is about partnerships, uh, about delivering public goods, whether it's on COVID or climate or anything else, and not making it about China. They've been very disciplined about that messaging. It seems to be well received. The visit's been well received. It was noteworthy that in the press conference with Prime Minister Lee in Singapore, Prime Minister Lee when asked about Afghanistan, said that uh, Singapore, and I think by extension the rest of Southeast Asia, will judge the U.S. by what it does in the future, not by the debacle in Afghanistan. And the administration really needs that message, right? They really need to get out the message that uh, partners and allies are not questioning U.S. credibility uh, because of what we're seeing in Kabul. I'll also just know quickly that while there wasn't any huge deliverables in Hanoi, there were two that have been in the works for a really long time. So. Uh, Vice President Harris oversaw the launch of a new Peace Corps program in Vietnam, which has been ongoing, th those talks, for 17 years. And she oversaw the lease of the new U.S. Embassy in Hanoi, which has been in the works for my whole career, and the old embassy is basically falling down. So those aren't going to you know, be banners in any newspapers, but they both are pretty significant. Well, I agree. The U.S. high-level visit is not new. But the recent administration uh, has been visiting the region. Uh, the, the U.S. administration has been visiting the region in the past. But I do understand that Harris is the first vice president of the United States to visit Vietnam, and this visit just uh, came just after uh, the U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin trip uh, last uh, July. Uh, this is prior to uh, after several high-level uh, meeting, including the Secretary of the State. The timing uh, cannot be more perfect. In fact, the United States uh, said it will focus on Southeast Asia with greater attention since its adoption to the uh, open and Indo-Pacific. Greg, I would like to pick your mind on maritime uh, affairs because a part of uh, Harry's visit uh, highlighted the um, uh, US is pursuing, in fact, is advancing uh, its Indo-Pacific engagement despite Southeast Asian countries' varying response on the outcomes of uh, Quad. One other message uh, that I saw is that the U.S. officials are repeating their stance that China's claims are unlawful and Harris touched upon the rejection of the 2016 arbitration, which Harris uh, said that it will undermine the rules-based order. Your comment, Greg? Yeah, I, I, it's a very good point. So I said that Harris was good, as Austin was, at keeping the conversation from being about China. But the one issue in which she did really go after China in both Singapore and Vietnam was on the South China Sea. And the administration has been quite clear about that. I think they are very serious when they talk about uh, freedom of the seas 
as, as a key component of the free and open Indo-Pacific, and they know that it's something that resonates with other partners, both in Southeast Asia and more broadly uh, across the world. Do you see U.S. coming close to ratifying UNCLOS? Uh, how differently the U.S. administration will act if the U.S. ratify UNCLOS? Sumati, I wish that I could sit here and say that under a Biden administration, the U.S. is going to ratify UNCLOS, but the fact is that they won't. Um, it has to be, any treaty would have to be ratified by uh, two-thirds of the U.S. Senate. The last time they tried under the Obama administration in 2012, they had about a dozen Republicans who seemed open to it. Today, the Republican Party is much more conservative, much more nationalistic uh, than it was at that time. Nine of those 12 have been voted out of office since. So you only have three Republicans left from that time who are still in the Senate. Uh, I just, I don't see how, unless there is a radical shift in the makeup of the U.S. Congress toward Democrats, that you could get any treaty passed through the U.S. Congress right now, much less any treaty that says the word United Nations, which is like a boogeyman to some of these people. Um, yeah, so we don't expect a, a radical change uh, as far as the UNCLOS is concerned from the U.S. Uh, however, I think uh, Southeast Asian countries will continue to uh, talk about uh, the importance of uh, U.S. Uh, ratifying UNCLOS. Um, great chatting, uh, great answer, Greg, and I enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, you too, Samati, and I think you're absolutely right. Our partners and allies should continuously beat us up diplomatically about our failure to ratify UNCLOS. Maybe if it happens often enough, eventually some future administration will be able to, to get this done, but it's not going to happen right now. Anyway, you have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you.